welcome to episode six of Just Admit It. I'm Victoria, a former assistant director of admissions at the University of Chicago and Sarah Lawrence College. I'm joined today by Ivy Wise colleague and friend Rachel, who is a former assistant dean of admissions at Swarthmore. Today, we're going to discuss, does demonstrated interest really matter? So what is demonstrated interest? I'm sure some of you students and parents have heard this term before and wondered what exactly does this mean? Well, basically, uh, demonstrated interest is how colleges are tracking whether you're interested in attending their school through a variety of different things. Uh, this can be your application essays, tracking your on-campus visits, or if you've attended high school visits from admissions officers at your high school, if you did online information sessions or virtual tours or any um, panels that they're offering, a lot of those things are happening right now because of the pandemic, or if you're checking and clicking through emails that colleges are sending you. You could also be sending emails to admissions officers themselves or professors. And personal interviews are available at some colleges. So all of these are different ways that colleges can see if you're sort of interested in them. They'll be tracking those things and often including them in your admissions file when they're making considerations about whether or not to admit you. So Rachel, um, I'd love to hear a little bit from you about uh, how demonstrated interest is measured and uh, have you talk a little bit about why it sort of matters in the process. Yeah, so I'm excited to be talking about this topic today because I feel like demonstrated interest is a term we hear a lot and maybe students and their families um, are less aware of how important it really is and kind of how they can gauge how it may um, play factor into things um, at various schools. So I think one of the big keys to understanding demonstrated interest from school to school and how much it might matter at a certain institution um, is looking at the yield rate. So we know, and this is something that schools share regularly. I almost feel like it's kind of like a, a key or a secret piece of information. Um, but we know that yield rates um, indicate how many students of those who have been admitted are actually enrolling. Um, and we can see that yield rates at some schools are significantly lower or significantly higher. And I think it's kind of safe to say that a school that's going to care a lot about demonstrated interest is likely going to have a lower yield rate. So we want schools want to have higher yield rates um, and they want to use their admissions spots on students who are going to be more likely to enroll, and they're getting that information in part through demonstrated interest. So are you engaging with the school? And so one school that I can think of that has no, kind of a notoriously lower yield rate would be Fordham. And I know this is something they're talking about every year, how to bring that yield rate up. But 
Fordham has a lower yield rate, um, so has been as low as 10%. And so one way to work within that is to demonstrate your interest and show Fordham that if you, if you are admitted, you are more likely to come. And then hopefully um, that would make you a more likely candidate to be admitted. So most schools would like to admit students who have so, at least some inclination to enroll. And all of this kind of makes me think of this other term, enrollment management. So when we're talking about admissions these days, I feel like we're seeing offices named, you know, the Office of, en- of Enrollment Management because it really is just such um, a complex landscape that requires a lot of measuring and probability and forecasting on on the office's part um, to determine how many students will they need to admit in order to get um, a class of an ideal size. So it's an interesting thing to kind of be aware of. And I know it's something schools are thinking about all the time. I think so. And I think a lot of students and parents don't realize how much thought goes into that. Um, Tell my students and parents all the time that a college has to over-admit their class in order to get the size that they want, right? And I think they forget about that element of it, that even places that are very popular, like your Harvards or your Yales, some students will choose to say no to those places. And then if as you go further down the line, when colleges have lower admit rate or lower yield rates, right, there's going to be more of that happening where students are saying no to that institution and yes to another one. So they might have to over admit by, um, you know, a a significant amount for a school like Fordham, and they'd like to admit less people if possible to keep their admit rate lower because Unfortunately, we know, you and I, that an admit rate doesn't necessarily make the best college, but a lot of students and families are driven by that low admit rate to say that, hey, this school is really attractive. This school is really a good school. It's hard to get into, so there must be something great going on here. Right. So, yeah, it's easy. There's definitely a relationship between the selectivity of a school and the lowering of the admit rate. Um, with a higher yield rate, for sure. And demonstrated interest just is one of those factors that plays into it. How likely is a student to yield? Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of students and parents over the years have told me, and I don't know if you've gotten this as well, that, oh, you know, we'll just visit after she or he gets in to this or that school, and then we'll make our decision, our final decisions about which schools we like the best. And that sort of removes that element of getting to show this, the college beforehand that they really matter to you if you have a situation where visits are possible. Right now, that's a little bit different because most college campuses are not open for, for visits. Um, but there still are lots of other ways that you can be demonstrating interest besides just visiting. But I do think it's important that people remember that this is being tracked by a lot of different colleges in a lot of different ways. So um, we should talk about some of the the best practices for for how to demonstrate this interest, I think. Yeah. Um, What are some of those things that come to mind for you? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is the actual application process. I guess that's because right now students are applying to college. We have lots of seniors who we're working with, right, who are writing their essays for colleges. And we've gone over this in a couple of our other podcasts, but 
there are a lot of different essays required for all of these various applications to colleges, right? You have your main personal statement that goes to everyone. They're not really going to be looking for demonstrated interest in that piece. They're looking at who are you? What are you going to uh, add to our campus as far as personality and, and your qualities as a student? But then they have all these supplemental essay questions for all of these different colleges. And I think... Um, a lot of students wait to do these to the end. And we've seen it over and over again, both of us, I'm sure, that, you know, they, they put minimal effort into these thinking, okay, I'm going to just tell this college why I want to go to them. This is the essay. Why do you want to go to uh, X college? Well, you know, they offer biology. I'm really interested in biology. They have research opportunities. The students seem really nice. The campus is beautiful. And I think I'm really going to love living in New York City. And it's like that could apply to several colleges that exist in New York City. and, And it doesn't really tell that school much about what you know about them or why you feel a particular fit with them. And so it becomes rather uncompelling as far as why they you would choose them over another school. So they're looking in those essays to see, does the student really like us? Is there a great chance that they might actually attend if we give them one of our coveted admit votes, right? So that's one of the first things I think of is, is try to write compelling essays that are also genuine. The interest needs to be genuine. I tell students, hey, you know, don't apply if you're having to make up some reasons why you like a school, then it it probably shouldn't be on your list, right? Um, Even if it's a likely school, a school we say you have a high probability chance of being admitted because you're you're competitive academically. If if you have to make up reasons for why you like the school, it's probably, a likely school that shouldn't be on your list. You should f- find reasons to be excited about attending that school and your essay should showcase those things, right? And then we also have the optional essays that some choose not to submit for these colleges, the schools that say, oh, here's an optional essay about what communities you would join on our campus. And if you don't answer that question, there's also the probability that they're going to think, okay, this student may not be that interested in us. They didn't even take the time to do this extra 250 word essay to show us what they like about our community. So we always tell students, if it's optional, it's not really optional if you really want a good chance of getting into the school. Yeah, right? I, I totally agree. I mean, I think not submitting an optional essay is like the, the one of a, is a mistake. It's really worth it to yeah. do it. Yeah. And if you have done all of the things we're about to talk about as far as other ways to demonstrate interest and also research the schools, it should be not that hard, actually, to write that optional essay about the school. Yes. So yeah, I always, yeah, I always think, like, you, you should be gushing, right? Like, you should be, there should be some genuine excitement. Yeah. And I think that one of the best ways to do that is to visit the schools. Now, that's not entirely possible right now, so we'll talk about alternative ways you can do that in the pandemic. But I think as far as school visits, uh, going on campus, touring, sitting down in the information session and hearing from the admissions counselors at the school about what they think um, sets the school apart, about 
how the school uh, really thinks about their education, about the ethos on campus, all of those things are sort of irreplaceable. You can research a school through the website, but there's something really tangible when you're on campus where you can meet the students and hear about the school from their perspective while being in that environment. And I think a lot of students um, don't fully take advantage of those, those visits. First of all, the first way to demonstrate interest on those visits is you you need to do official tours and info sessions is what I tell my students. You can't just go and walk around the campus and say, I visited campus because for the admissions office, they have no paper trail that you've ever been there. So you do want to say, go into the um, admissions office, sign up ahead of time for a tour um, so that they can track that you were there. That will go into your file. That will be the date that you went, who did the info session, right? And doing that official tour and info session will also be more informative for you. It's going to give you a lot of details, but only if you fully pay attention. I've had students go, I'm sure you have too, Rachel, go and visit campus and sort of be like chit-chatting with their parents the entire tour and missed a lot of details about uh, the campus that the student was really sharing with them. And all of those details are things that you could eventually include in your essays. You know, right, right. my tour guide, Sarah, told me about this amazing theater production she joined and she had never done theater before in her life. She's a physics major. And I just thought it was so cool that the campus has such a supportive community that anyone can join anything and learn how to do it from the ground up. Right. Like what a neat detail to include in an essay if it was meaningful for you. Um, so I tell students, take lots of notes. It's hard on the tour portion, but you can have a little notebook, jot occasional things that stood out to you in the info session. Take notes on what the admissions counselor is saying. Don't just kind of pass it, you know, pass through the whole you know, process, just kind of following along without really engaging, ask questions, right? Um, think you were telling me, Rachel, that that it's sometimes the case that one person is in a, a visit with a, an admissions counselor, whether that's an on-campus tour or somebody coming to visit a high school. Like if an admissions officer comes to your high school, it could be the case that it's just you two one-on-one talking in the library at your school or you visit campus and you're the only visitor that day and you have a one-on-one info session with an admissions counselor. And what an awesome opportunity to really get all of your questions about the university answered. So you want to come with those questions, right? You you want to have something to ask them. So it's not just awkwardly just sitting there. Um, it could be a little bit more conversational. Um, kinds of questions that we recommend that really kind of demonstrate interest in addition to getting great answers about the schools are these open-ended questions, right? Ones that are not necessarily going to be a yes-no answer, but elicit a personal story or an anecdote from the, the admissions officer about their time on campus or about a student they know if they didn't attend that school. And those things are very informative to you because they really paint the picture of the school. And it's also helpful for the admissions officer if you're asking really engaging questions about the, you know, their favorite thing in the school, uh, about the school, or their favorite professor or their favorite class while they were there on campus. 
it seems like you're a little more interested in the school beyond just how to get in and, and, you know, what the statistics are. So, yeah, I mean, do you have favorite questions that you liked when students would, would visit with you, Rachel, either on campus or in these high school information sessions? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, being on this side of things now, I always try to encourage students to ask something that will leave the admissions counselor or student or whoever you're speaking with, leave them feeling positive. So that like, what's your favorite thing about the school? To me, that's like a perfect question to have in your back pocket that if you do happen to show up and be the only person in the room, like for some people, that's a nightmare. <laughs> like you can see it as a great opportunity and it is, but it might be, you know, really nerve inducing. So having a question like, what's your favorite thing about the school just in your back pocket? You could ask that to anyone and get some really interesting answers. I liked it when I was doing interviews. Um, I had on occasion students ask me about like, what's an interesting or like a hot button issue on campus right now? That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get to learn, you know, based on people's responses, you do learn about what is happening on campus. What are the conversations that people are having? What do people really care about in the moment? And that can help you, you know, form an opinion about the school and also get back to writing some of those essays. Um, But all those open-ended questions provide such insight. And if you can have one or two kind of on hand that you can ask anyone, I think that would help you feel comfortable and take advantage of situations in which you might be part of a very small group um, or even part of a larger group. You know, you can always go up to people after a session and ask questions too, if you don't feel comfortable asking um, in a larger group. Yeah, that's very true. And I think that reminds me of something I also tell all of my students pretty often, which is these admissions counselors, um, they are often pretty young or they've been in this industry for a long time. Either way, they remember what it feels like to be a student applying to these schools. And so they do understand that it's sometimes nerve-wracking. They do understand what it's like and they're not trying to get you, you know. They're they're really right. trying to be there and answer questions about the university and also uh, to get to know the students and find great students to to bring to their campus. So it's not, um, they're not the enemy. They really are uh, there for you if you have questions. Right. And many of these people too, I mean, we're in this profession because we like people. I mean, it's a very, you know, outward facing job. So you can, I think you could count on people being relatively friendly and also like relatively forgiving if you're really nervous. Yeah. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I concentrated a lot on on visiting campus, but I I do want to say one of the reasons that high school visits where an admissions counselor will come to your high school is is because colleges do realize that it's not um, it's there's not an equal playing field as far as people being able to visit campus. So Mm -hmm. I think we both do want to say that 
if it's not feasible for you to visit campus, do not worry that that'll be held against you. There are many schools that have actually moved to not counting on campus visits as part of their demonstrated interest because of equity of um, being able to afford visiting campuses that are not nearby. But I would say if a campus is nearby and, you know, it would cost you just the bus fare to go check it out and you're applying, you definitely should check it out. Um, And if it is financially feasible, you should also try to check these colleges out when they all open back up. Um, Right. You know, it's not really possible right now. And then the high school visits too right now, they're probably not going to be happening as often. Right. because I think admissions counselors are just not traveling this this fall or next spring, probably even. Yeah. Um, given I think the they're doing pandemic. Zoom, uh, the occasional Zoom or online visit. Yeah, Zoom, yeah, and depending. that that takes us into other ways to to um, explore these colleges and demonstrate interest during this pandemic, and maybe for some colleges, this might be a trend for the future. Right. I mean, given what you just talked about with these, you know, with equity issues, um, it's exciting to see schools developing online platforms as ways to reach students. Um, So having online tours, online virtual information sessions, I've seen on school websites like ways to connect with hosts So even though you can't do the traditional overnight, you can still get in touch with students. And each of these things, I mean, I think we keep kind of coming back to these same two points. One is that this information helps you decide if you like the school, helps you write those essays about how much you do enjoy it, what do you like about it. But it also is important for the school. Because one thing we haven't mentioned is that all this demonstrated interest and your interactions with the school, it, it really is in your file. So when I was reading applications at Swarthmore, it was part of the reading sheet. So the first thing that I would see in the file, along with information about you, would be how many, what interactions you've had with yeah. the school. And I, you know, I could see, oh, they came to my info session when I was visiting Seattle. And then I would say, oh, let me, like, can I remember who this student was? Yeah. Um, And I think that, I think that's still applicable to online info sessions. Um, Of course, it's not exactly the same, but I think you still get that level of interaction as well as that level of information. So this is, kind of what we're limited to now. So certainly important to take advantage of whatever it is that a school is kind of putting forth um, and learn more about the school in virtually. And I'm very hopeful, fingers crossed, for <laughs> our seniors that they will be able to visit campus in the spring. Because I, I know it's just hard to imagine applying to school and and enrolling without ever having set foot on a campus. Yeah, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. So yeah. I hope it I hope it for everyone's yeah. sake that COVID-19 <laughs> gets better, but specifically yeah. also for these seniors. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um another interesting thing, so we kind of live like in this era of, you know, really intense like personalized 
marketing and tracking of information and online behaviors. And this is an instance when, you know, what we're talking about is not excluded from that. You know, schools, I think we've said before on the podcast, like schools and institutions are a business and in in ways they do operate as a business. And so when you're thinking about how you're interacting with schools, the emails that they're sending, and we all know it's a lot of emails. (laughs) They may be not only checking to see like, are you on the mailing list, but also going as far to see if you are clicking, are you opening the, the email? Are you clicking links? So I think that's maybe, you know, perhaps mildly creepy, Um, but you know, something to be aware of. And again, we can go back and think a little bit to yield rates and where, you know, that's not going to matter at every school. Um, but I think for some it is important. And again, at this point for seniors, you know, your college list is probably pretty set in stone. So it's not like you should be doing this. You have to be expending so much energy, like opening every email and clicking on every link. But for the schools that you care about, this could be something that you're doing and hopefully it won't be like too painful. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, open one, two of five emails, you know, and you don't have to open 100%, but but some. Right. And, you know, hopefully it's interesting. I mean, what is the school choosing to share about themselves? What's going on on campus right now? It might be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another way you can virtually demonstrate your interest is through emails. So this is something that I think is touted as a, a good way to demonstrate interest, and it certainly is, to be in touch with perhaps um, a regional admissions dean. But I think there are ways that you can do that well. So it's not just emailing someone for the sake of emailing them or asking a question for the sake of asking a question. But really wanting to make sure that in that email, think of it as like another piece of your application. It's another chance to kind of say something about yourself. So one thing I think you mentioned, Victoria, when we were talking about this before we pressed record is um, encouraging students to write thank you emails after they encounter, meet, an admissions person. And using that as kind of almost like an excuse to email someone, say, thank you for your time, perhaps highlight something from their presentation that you enjoyed. And then you could even share something extra about yourself that you're excited to do on campus, because each one of those things says a little bit more about you and theoretically would support whatever's in your application, because it is possible that, um, you know, the admissions officer would PDF this email and attach it to your file. And there it would be for anyone who reads your application to see. Yeah, That's happened. Uh, I've had that where students add or, you know, a thank you, but in there they give additional information. That's really helpful um, context for the rest of their application. And I've definitely included it in their file um, for later when I read their application. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I would say too, so you can email admissions reps thoughtfully and then use that same um, kind of guidelines or approach to emailing professors. So this is something 
you know, if as you're doing your research and you're looking at faculty in the department that you might be interested in and seeing what everybody's up to, if there's something that's particularly exciting to you, something that maybe you always imagined yourself learning more about in college or having the opportunity to research, if there's a faculty member that's already doing that, I would really encourage students to go ahead and email that person and say, oh, like, I'm excited to see the work that you've done. Like, this is why I'm interested in it. You know, would you have 10 or 15 minutes to chat about, you know, what it's like to do that on a college campus? I'm, I'm curious to learn more. And so it wouldn't be uncommon for that professor you know, they may respond, they they may not, let's be real. <laughs> but it could end up that you do get to have that sit down opportunity with a professor. I'm imagining this happening virtually, of course. Yeah. Um, and perhaps that makes it even more within reach, you know, the fact that it, it really could just be 15 minutes of a professor's time. Um, but that the professor might ultimately end up sharing that information with the admissions committee. So again, like you get something out of it. And also there's something that kind of goes in your admissions file. So I think those are some ways you can use email to demonstrate interest. Yeah. I think there's some good ways that people um, commonly overlook, I think, especially the emailing professors. I know it's not easy as a 17, 18 year old to reach out to somebody with a PhD to talk about academic interests, but they're often pretty friendly as well. Sometimes they won't answer. Maybe they're on sabbatical or busy or whatever, but the ones that my students have contacted who have gotten back to them, they've had terrific conversations with. Right. Right. And then I know one thing we wanted to talk about, too, with regard to demonstrated interest was one of the really important ways that it factors into decisions if you have been deferred or waitlisted from college. So, I mean, I, I just feel like this is so important that students, when they are deferred or waitlisted, go ahead and follow up with the school. And most places will encourage you to do this. They'll give you instructions on how to do it in your letter. Um, So you would follow up with perhaps some updates about what you've been up to since you've applied, as well as confirming your interest in the school. So saying, if you admit me, I will come. And when I think about going back to the wait list, when I was working at admissions, if there was not that follow-up letter in a student's file, it just got a lot harder to advocate for them to give them a spot in the class. Yeah. You certainly, if you're going to take someone off the wait list, want to know that they're they're going to come, right? You don't want to offer it to someone who might tell you, you know, I need a week to think about it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I think that that demonstrated interest with regard to a deferral or a waitlist decision is just supremely important. Yeah. And that's another easy like email to your, your admissions officer, you know, um, to, to tell them that, Hey, I'm still interested in all these updates, but not necessarily uh, a go and visit campus situations, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, right. When we're going to talk about some some do's and don'ts when it comes to um, demonstrating interest. Um, but I do want to talk about one last thing 
or two last things before we do that, Rachel, which is uh, personal interviews, which, you know, not every uh, college has. And then early decision and early action and how that filters into this entire equation. So, you know, personal interviews, um, some schools have been moving away from it. I think, again, as as they think about equitable practices uh, to include people, not everybody can get to campus and interview. Um, so they've some colleges have moved away from this. Um, some colleges offer on campus or right now virtual interviews with an admissions counselor. And some people, some campuses um, will not offer that and just offer alumni interviews. But I think a, a good rule of thumb is if you are someone who feels like you can generally have good conversations with people, that you should sign up for interviews at the schools you really like if they have them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's They are often uh, what we call evaluative, meaning they are evaluating you as a student and what you might bring to campus, if you'd be a good fit, those types of things. But it's not quite like a job interview where you need to worry about being hounded about questions. Can you do this? Can you do that kind of thing? It's more of a conversation to get to know you and for you to get to know the institution. Again, that two-pronged thing we've been talking about this whole time, it's good for you. And it shows them that you're interested if they offer them. But like we said, not every school is going to offer personal interviews. Um, And then I think you made a good point when we were talking before this, that not every student should interview, right? There are some students for whom public speaking makes them really nervous and they basically shut down. And that would not be a good idea for that student, I think, to interview at a school. Right. Because it, it might not show their best qualities. And um, you certainly want to present your best qualities in person or virtually if you're doing a virtual interview. Right. And I would add to kind of like we've said about, you know, some of the people you'd be interacting with in this process, that interviewers will, they know you're going to be nervous. So it's, it's certainly okay. But if you're going to like lose sleep and interviewing is going to feel painful to you, there are other ways you can share information about yourself and demonstrate your interest. You don't yeah. have to interview if, if it's going to be a painful experience for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. I, I, I think it will be just as awkward for the interviewer as you if, if you're sitting there sweating and, and a, having, you know, an anxiety attack. So <laughs> um, <clears throat> the last thing that that sort of feeds into demonstrated interest, but is really sort of its own measure of of interest is early decision pools and early action pools and applying to those. So we've, I talked about this in an earlier episode about early decision and why it results in higher rates of admission in those pools for students. And it goes back to what Rachel was talking about with yield and the admit rate, right? Like we said, colleges are businesses. They want to keep their admit rates low and they want to keep their yields high. Those things correspond together. And if you are over admitting to get a certain size class, then you um, have that that idea of this is how many students per year we have to over-admit to get our class of 1,300 people. Now, if we can do early decision, a pool you know, in which you apply and you say, I definitely will come, 
Now we can take down the amount of guesswork for that, that number of students we're going to admit through early decision. And we can maybe over admit by less students, which if you're a math person, that means the admit rate is going to be lower, right? Because we had to admit less people to get the final number that we needed. So early decision helps colleges sort of mitigate that admit rate, that yield rate, um, and that's why I think we're seeing a lot of schools go to admitting 50 to 60% in, in early decision pools. Um, and so it is true that if you are going to demonstrate that you will come to a school, they're going to take that very seriously and, and, and take it as part of their decision. It's going to be attractive to them. Um, early action has a little bit of demonstrated interest for an, if applicants who are applying to that pool, but I would not say it's anywhere near the same as applying early decision. Um, you're not committing to going if you're applying to early action pools, right? You're just applying early and getting an early answer. And so it does show that you're interested enough to complete the application early, but it doesn't quite show the same amount of commitment. Um, so you'll find slightly higher admit rates in early action pools, but often we we think this is more that it corresponds to um, very competitive applicants applying to those pools, not necessarily the, the institution saying, oh, this demonstrates so much interest, right? So, I mean, I think that's pretty much everything that's considered. Uh, one thing we didn't really talk about is the fact that some colleges say we don't consider demonstrated interest at all. And they'll say that on their website, but pretty clearly if, if that's how they feel. But I don't think every college out there is, is, is super clear about whether or not they count demonstrated interest. So at least with my students, I say, unless you're going to go and do the research for every single school, I would just treat it the same across the board. And if you like a college, demonstrate interest. You'll get something out of it either way. Right. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. We were kind of reminiscing about times when we saw like demonstrated interest go well and times when we saw maybe students take it a little too far. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> And I really I think, like the story you had about this, actually. Well, and I think it's just there is such a thing as like demonstrated interest unhinged where <laughs> you can kind of take it too far, I think, as a student. And I was remembering a time when we had a student who had applied early and they were deferred. And in their application, they had sent some supplementary materials that included some posters for a campaign they had run for office at a school. And the posters were pretty goofy. They were funny, um, but very memorable. And so a fast forward a few months and I'm doing an info session and I see this student, I recognize the student sitting in the front row of an info session at the school. And I just remember thinking, oh, there they are. <laughs> and knowing exactly who that was. And they had come with the hopes of getting some FaceTime um, a, with an admissions person to demonstrate their further interest in the school. I've, you know, I've been deferred. If you admit me, I will come. And 
unfortunately, it wasn't anything that the student did within their application, but going to the school with the expectation of meeting with someone and getting some more information or insight about the status of your application is taking things a little too far. And I I don't think there's anything that an admissions officer is going to be able to share with you at that point that's going to satisfy you in any way. So I think we all have stories. And there were a lot of what I'll just call like rumors or stories about students like sending pies and, you know, all <laughs> kinds of like, <laughs> I mean, just going, a l- being a Brownies, little extra. Cookies, yeah. Um, so I think it's one of those things where it's pretty like common sense, what's acceptable, but be thoughtful about how you're demonstrating your interest and recognize that, that it definitely is possible to go a little too far. Yes. And note to parents, um, one of the worst versions I, uh, <laughs> I can remember of, of a parent trying to help demonstrate interest or trying to help their student is a parent calling a school after their son was waitlisted, to, wanting specific details of why he wasn't admitted and specific instructions on how to get admitted off the wait list. And I just remember telling this parent, look, I, I understand this is coming from a really good place, but this is going to look terrible to the school. It's going to look like this student is not interested, but you're interested in them getting off the wait list. And like you said, the, the school is not always going to be able to tell you why the student was waitlisted over other students who were admitted. And um, they aren't always going to give you specific instructions of what you can do to get off a wait list or what you can do to not be deferred. So I think, you know, it's it's important to, to take into account what Rachel's saying and really think about is what I want to do right now going to come off as too much? Um, on the other hand, I think there are some really nice ways I can remember that that students contacted me to tell me of their interest after they were deferred a waitlist. I, I, I had a student who wrote me this really lovely handwritten card and it was a thank you card. Thank you for the interview we had earlier this year and for reviewing my um, application. I just wanted to let you know that I, I'm disappointed I was waitlisted at UChicago, but I really, really love the school. And if I'm admitted, I will absolutely attend. And sure enough, later that year, the dean said, hey, we are going to take some off the wait list. If you have students that fall into this profile, um, who you think are great fits for the school and academically competitive that you want to take off the wait list, send me a list. And that student was at the top of my list that I sent to the dean because I remember our interview after she sent me this card. I remember her looking up her essay again and saying, oh, she really does love the school. So it can help, can really help. Mm, That's such a perfect, like demonstrated interest success story to end our conversation. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Do that, students, do that. (laughs) Well, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who's listened. Thank you for tuning in for more higher ed news and advice bookmark our Ivy Wise knowledge base and follow us on social media. 